Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Monday, June 28th, 2021. Stand up for your country. I got a little allergies going on here. That's why I'm uh, a little froggy. This happens once a year to me. I got away with it in Wyoming. Uh, A lot of people had allergies out there. It was dry, you know, but I didn't have anything. And then I get back here on Long Island and blah, like this. So I'm not complaining. Not complaining, I mean, but you just hear a little difference in my voice. It's not the usual smooth velvet voice that you, we get every night. All right, Joe Biden's schedule. Only one thing, only one thing today. It's a Monday. You know, you got to ease back in. 4 p.m., uh, Mr. Biden welcomes His Excellency Reuven Rivlin, President of Israel, to the White House. I bet you didn't even know there was a President of Israel. It's a ceremonial job. The real power lies in the prime minister. That is Netanyahu for many years. He's on the out now, and there'll be a new prime minister there. But the reason that Biden is uh, entertaining Mr. Rivlin today is because Rivlin likes Biden. And uh, Netanyahu and many in the uh, Israeli Knesset do not. So that's why uh, old Reuven got the White House treatment. Um, Anyway, that's it for Joe. So Joe's got a four and a free rest of the day. If you guys want to play pool volleyball or anything like that, um, you might send him a text. Uh, Kamala Harris had a, had a pretty uh, exciting day on Friday, the 25th. She went down to El Paso. She arrived 7.45 a.m. and uh, she spent four hours, 40 minutes, uh, according to Dallas Morning News. I don't know what she did. Nobody really knows what she did. Um, but she did make a statement. Roll the tape. We have a day planned that will be about, as much as anything, addressing the effects of what I've already been addressing, which are the root causes of migration, predominantly out of Central America. You've heard me say many times, most people don't want to leave home. And when they do, it is usually because either they are fleeing some type of harm or they cannot take care of the simple and basic needs of their family by staying where they are. Okay, I'm not arguing with any of that, but that's a circumstance of billions of people in the world. Billions. So what are you going to do, Miss Vice President? Root causes? You're going to wave your magic wand and everybody's life is going to be good and successful and they're all going to be affluent? Come on, this is just a ruse. You don't know how to solve the border. You don't even care about the border. Neither does your boss, Joe Biden. And so we'll have up to two million foreign nationals coming into the USA this year alone, most of whom will get to stay here because we have an open border policy accompanying the migrants will be a flood of narcotics, as I pointed out. Migrants don't bring the narcotics, by the way. Don't get mixed up there. It's because that all of the uh, law enforcement at the border has to tend to millions of people that the interdiction against drugs has collapsed. And all this means organized crime and the drug gangs make far more money than they would if someone else were president that actually wanted to control the border, which again, Biden and Harris do not want to do. Are we all clear here? Does everybody see it? And there there are two sides to the story. There aren't. You can't argue that Joe Biden wants to secure the border. He doesn't. And the result is right before your eyes. 
isn't it? Yeah. So she goes down for four hours and 40 minutes, and then she jets off to L.A., to her plush home in Brentwood, uh, where she's been in the last six months four times. That's all right. I don't mind her going to Brentwood and having fun with her friends. I mean, that's okay. But don't tell me you're going to get to the bottom of root causes. You're not. It's not even going to be close. So we got three ongoing problems in the Biden administration. We got a lot more than that, but three that affect every uh, American directly. One, the border. Okay. Two, increasing violence. Dead bodies in the street. Dead bodies in the street. I think over this weekend, there were 50 more people shot in Chicago. 50. Two days. 50. Ah, that's all right. We'll get to the root causes of that. And the root causes, you know what that is. That's the gun dealers. Yeah. It's not the guys that are shooting and pulling the trigger. No. The gun dealers. That's a root cause there. And the third one is inflation. Uh, Year to year, the biggest gain in three decades. So inflation, that's the one that's going to hurt you the most, unless you live on a border state or in the poor neighborhoods of Chicago and New York City. Inflation means that the money that you are making or getting in Social Security or whatever it may be is worth less than it was under President Trump or even under President Obama. It's worth less because this is exploding in a massive amount of spending. And whenever that happens, and there's a shortage of goods, which there is because of government regulation, prices go up. Now, we're going to have Monica Crowley, who worked in the Treasury Department, as you may know, under President Trump. She'll be here tomorrow to explain the inflation thing. But what you need to know is you're going to pay, and I'm going to pay, more for the stuff that we need. Not the stuff that we want. The stuff that we need. Food. Gas. All right? I mean, the heat wave now everywhere, you gotta, you got to crank the air. It's going to cost you maybe double what it cost you last summer. And you're not going to make more money at your job or if you're on retirement or all of that. You're not. So that your standard of living is going to drop. And we'll get to the root cause, right, Joe Biden? Yeah, we'll get to the root cause. Root cause is your incompetence. You attack the fossil fuel industry unnecessarily. You cause that industry to reimagine one of your favorite words. And the industry says, okay, we're going to get hammered by the federal government for four years. So we'll raise our prices and fill our tills now. And then we'll transition over to whatever they want uh, later. Okay. Um, Buffalo, New York. You ever been there? So Miller and I did a concert in Buffalo, New York. Sold the place out. And uh, it's kind of a bleak town, I have to say. Good folks, that's where the wings come from. Buffalo Bills, but they are in Orchard Park. That's not Buffalo. That's an affluent suburb. Buffalo inner city, kind of rough, all right? So there are 250,000 people living in Buffalo. 47% white, 37% black. But here's the key stat. 85% have only a high school degree. 28% have a bachelor's, a college degree. 
four-year college. Now, that's over 100%, so there's swing in there. You know, some people have GEDs, you know what I'm talking about. But when you have most, an overwhelming majority of the population without a college degree, you can have a working-class town. And it's going to be hard in times of stress like COVID, like the Bush recession, for those folks to make a living. Okay? And Buffalo, you got to eat your house in the winter. Okay? It's not cheap. So they elected a socialist mayor. India Walton is her name. Okay? And India is 39 years old. And she said, yeah, I'm a socialist. I am. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do socialist things or, or, or whatever. So this is only the second time that an outright socialist has been elected mayor in a major American city. Milwaukee was the other. So what's India going to do to help the people in Buffalo who are having trouble making a living? All right, unemployment in Buffalo is about 9%. Medium household income, $37,000. That's not much. Okay? And persons in poverty, 30%. 30% poverty rate in Buffalo. So what's India going to do? Nothing. India can't do anything. The only solution to Buffalo's problems is for high tech and other industry to go to Buffalo. To open factories and open businesses. That's it. India's not going to do anything. India's 39 years old. She doesn't know anything. With all due respect. Maybe I'm underestimating India Walton. But I don't think so. Now, New York has become far left. In my lifetime, when I was a kid, it was a fairly conservative state. Nelson Rockefeller, you know, all of that. Not now. So what happened in California? You had Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon. No. So India, anyway, the good people of uh, Buffalo, is a legitimate vote. They chose the candidate they wanted. There is no Republican opposition, by the way. These are two Democrats running against an incumbent uh, mayor who was steeped in scandal and India, and India won. Um, so why is this happening? Well, it's because in order to succeed in a capitalist system, that is to make a nice living and to be able to acquire a nice house and a nice car and educate your kids and all that, in order to do that, You have to be motivated. And I'll I'll explain that in a moment. If you are not motivated to work hard and to get educated, you're not going to succeed. There's no way. You're either going to become a criminal or you're going to ask the government to give you stuff. There's no other way. If you can't do anything, no one will hire you. Got to develop a skill. You've got to be good at what you do. You've got to be able to earn a living. That's motivation. Now, things are changing in America. So Axios, nah, not, not reliable, but they have poll. All right, 2,300 adults. Question, do you have a positive or negative reaction to the word socialism? Okay, 41% positive, 52% negative. 7% don't know what socialism is. Okay, now, if you compare that 
to 2001, it's up a huge number because socialism has taken root. Why has it taken root? This is very, very important. When I was teaching high school in Opelika, Florida, look it up, crack capital of the world. It was a poor Catholic school. There were barbed wire, barbed wire on the fence surrounding the school. All right. It was a rough place. I had in my classes a mixture of kids, diversity all day long, inclusion, you got it. Cubans, whites, and blacks. All right. All in my class. And most of those kids got along. I mean, the Cubans would speak Spanish and that would tee off the non-Spanish speakers, but that was about it. Now, among those students, there was the motivated crew and those who were not motivated. Now, my skill was directed at those who were not motivated. Because the kids, I still hear from them because I'm famous. And they know Bill at BillOReilly.com, they can give me a letter. All right? So the motivated kids, I didn't have to worry about them. I knew that they were going to succeed in America unless something befell them that was not their fault. But the unmotivated kids, which I would put that number at about 50% in that school, about 50%, they had a variety of reasons for being unmotivated, but they had one thing all in common. Parents who didn't care. Very rarely was there an unmotivated student, you know, sitting in the back, chewing the gum, not doing the homework, not caring, sleeping in school, taking drugs, whatever it may be. Very rarely were those children the offspring of parents who cared. Very rarely. Now, there was some rebellion, and you know what that all is. But most of the unmotivated kids came from homes where they didn't care. How do I know? Because I call the parents. I would call the parents. I was a motivated teacher and say, look, little uh, Sydney here, not doing it, not cutting it in this class. What can we do to help him? Now, a lot of parents I couldn't even get in touch with. They didn't have cell phones back then. But I would, you know, all the parents had to put list their number in a Catholic school, and I would call them. I couldn't get half of them. And the other half could barely speak English on the phone. And most of them couldn't care less. And on parent-teachers conferences, all right, they wouldn't come. Whereas the motivated kids, their parents were there all day long because they want to hear good things about the urchins. Now, that was the reality way back, decades ago. It remains the reality today. So when the socialist people, the, you know, India or Ocasio-Cortez or uh, Joe Biden, whoever it may be, when they tell you the government can solve the problems of the unmotivated, they're lying. They're lying. And there are now millions and millions of people who say, I'm not, I know I'm unmotivated. I want to sit down. I want to play my video. I want to look at the Internet all day long. I don't want to work. There's a song, I don't want to work, I want to bang on the drum all day. That's what's going on. And then they'll send me stuff. Well, those people vote. And they vote for people who are going to send them stuff. That's why India got elected in Buffalo. 
Now, the government can't change that. You can't make bad parents good parents. I mean, one of the litmus tests when I walk into a home I've never been in before is to look around and see how many books are in, on display. Any books? A many plays or no books? Not one. They don't check the homework. They don't take the kids anywhere. They don't teach them about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, they're going to school, so the school will do it. School won't do it, just like the government won't do it. So we're building up a dependency in this country of the unmotivated. Now, old school people like me, who's worked since I'm 10 years old, we're appalled by this. So I don't want my hard-earned money being taken away from me by Bernie Sanders and given to somebody who's unmotivated, lazy, and going to sit there going, ah, come on, where's mine? I'm not going to do anything for it. I want it. I mean, you like, you respect that? I don't respect it. So when I hear all this stuff, because this is what it's all about now in America, it's all about breaking down our traditional capitalistic system and our traditional social system, breaking it down, destroying it, and building up a culture of dependency that makes the politicians far more powerful than they are today. That's what this is all about. So when you hear all this nonsense, is go- root causes, rah, root causes. The root cause of migration from Central America and Mexico is corruption in those countries. Those countries are corrupt across the board. They don't care about their people. That's why. And if you go around the world, more countries are corrupt than not. We don't let everybody in. So I'm getting real worried about this culture because people don't understand how pernicious, word of the day, this whole thing is how the far progressive left wants to divide the nation, haves and have-nots, because there are more have-nots than haves. And thus, they have launched a war on wealth. Now, one more thing before we get to our guest, who's an expert in this, all right? There are venal, terrible, wealthy people. I see them every blanking day when I go out to Eastern Long Island. I won't even live in the Hamptons, okay? Because I don't like what is going on there. I go to the end of Long Island where the fishermen live. So, I know there are greed heads, there are exploiters, there are terrible, terrible people, and nowhere more than in Hollywood in show business, in the media, in Silicon Valley, okay? These are absolute oligarchs. They couldn't care less, no matter how many foundations they set up. Okay, but I'm a self-made guy, and I know a lot of self-made guys and gals. Can I say gals anymore? I know people who started from nothing and they've worked their way up and they're every color. For you white supremacist fans out there, every color. 
And they said, I'm motivated. I'm going to succeed. The country gives me opportunity. I'm going to seize it. Well, the Bernie Sanders crew, the socialist crew, want to punish those people for achievement. That is the war on wealth. So recently there was an article in um, ProPublica, which is a far, far left investigative outfit. All right. And they got a hold of a leak from the IRS of the richest people in America. And it showed that those people didn't pay a lot of personal income tax because they used the tax code to get their personal liability down. All right. So they had depreciation. They all owned companies, by the way. They had charitable gifts. They had this. They had that and more of that. Number one, the leak was illegal, but the Biden administration is not going to do anything about it because it wants the war on wealth. Biden administration likes the war on wealth. As long as Joe's wealth, which was obtained primarily from foreign nations, okay, as long as Joe's wealth isn't impacted. Okay, so anyway, the uh, ProPublica said, uh, thing was beyond the pale. And it angered a lot of Americans. Why, look at this. Bill Gates, look at this, uh, Jeff Bezos, they're not paying their fair share. In the meantime, even though I don't like these people very much, they create millions of jobs. Facebook creates amazing amount of work. And they treat their employees pretty well. Okay, so a guy named Alexander Green, who I do business with, and we uh, recently had a video that, if you watch it, I, I think would do you some good in the investment area. Uh, I interview him. That's what I do. And I do this because I have been with Alexander Green since 2003. And they didn't even know I was there a couple of years ago, and they figured it out. I don't know if Oxford Group is quick on the uptake, but there could be a million Bill O'Reilly's, I guess. Um, but anyway, I do business with Green. You ought to know that. But Green's a very perceptive guy, and he writes a column um, and he says in the column, put it up on the screen. In short, ProPublica conducted a fable using stolen data to stoke envy and resentment against the nation's highest net worth individuals. The real story would have been a snooze fest. The U.S. tax code allows deductions. ProPublica's report provided no evidence that the ones used by the nation's wealthiest were illegitimate. All right, unquote. So I'm going to bring in uh, Alexander Green later on this week or maybe next week, depending on his schedule. Um, talk about a motivation, but it's primarily uh, two things in play. Far left hates capitalism, hates uh, the meritocracy, which means if you work hard, you succeed. They don't want that. And jealousy. The people are jealous. No doubt about it. All right, let's get into a uh, little political stuff on the Republican side. So this is a very weird story, and I'm looking at it, and we'll have more on it tomorrow. But you'll uh, remember that uh, there's a guy named Jonathan Carl. He is the chief White House correspondent for ABC News. He wrote a uh, anti-Trump book in March 2020 called Front Row at the Trump Show. He's got another book coming out, but it's not coming out until November. All right. And uh, the book has been leaked to the Atlantic magazine. Now, Atlantic magazine hates, hates Donald Trump. So in the book, Mr. Carl says he interviewed um, former Attorney General William Barr. And that Barr told him, quote, 
If there was evidence of fraud, I had no motive to suppress it, but my suspicion all the way along was that there was nothing here. It was all BS. All right. So that apparently is what the former attorney general told Jonathan Carl. All right. I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm looking at this because here's the weird thing. A book six months away is rarely leaked to a place like the Atlantic magazine, which nobody reads. And it's a far left thing. The far left thing coincides with Carl, but it's, it's strange. So we're calling Barr's office to make sure he did indeed talk to Carl. Carl says he did, but I want to hear from Barr. Now, I told you um, when Barr resigned uh, last December from the Trump administration that the Durham report failure, because no matter what Durham comes back with on the culpability of U.S. intel and FBI on the Russian collusion stuff, no matter what he comes back with now, it doesn't mean anything. They had more than enough time to come up with stuff, and they just buried it. And I know the fix is in. I know from my years of experience covering this country. That never happens. They had the resources, they had the time, they had everything. But John Durham, the U.S. attorney put in charge of the Durham report, simply didn't do it. Maybe he doesn't want to do it, but if he, if he didn't have anything, come out and say, I don't have anything. All right? We get nothing. Now, Barr was in charge of that. Never clarified it. Never. Should have. That would have been the honest thing to do. So I lost a lot of respect for Barr uh, because of the Durham report. And I like Barr. I was a guy who, um, you know, basically said, I think this is an honest man. And he's doing the best he can as attorney general. But after the Durham report, I revised my positive view of him. I don't have a negative view of him. But he lost a lot of credibility in my eyes. So I'll have more on this tomorrow. And of course, Donald Trump believes, and no one is ever going to shake him of this belief, that the election was a fraud. No matter what evidence is put forth, no matter what anyone says, Jesus could come down and say, no, no. Donald Trump believes it's a fraud. Now, he has a perfect right to believe that. All right. They're trying to take away his right to believe that by censoring him and making him, you know, the big lie and all that. Donald Trump has a perfect right to believe that. But there is enough evidence in the public square to prove it. And that's the fact. But if you say that the election was not fixed, was not fraudulent, Trump doesn't like you. Roll the tape. But together, we will send Biden and the media and all of the people that are so bad to our country, big tech tyrants, a message they cannot ever censor, cancel or ignore. We will take back the House, we will take back the Senate, and we will take back America, and we will do it soon. So Donald Trump is back on the campaign trail, all right? And he went after Barr. We call him a rhino and, you know, a lot of stuff. Went after him. And he's back uh, campaigning. That's why he did that rally on Saturday in Ohio. He's doing another one in Florida. Now, these are going to be totally different, the rallies, than my 
four conversations with Donald Trump in December. That is going to be totally different than what he's doing now. But it's very interesting to see um, how this whole thing is starting to formulate very early for 2024. So Trump senses weakness in Biden. And there is there's weakness there. If you read my message of the day, um, not today, but no, my column, I get mixed up. I do so much. My column is uh, Joe Biden life in the slow lane. Sorry to the Eagles. Um, and Trump knows it's trouble already. So he's getting ahead of it. You know, he's establishing himself as the counter government. That's what's happening here. But in the meantime, if you disagree with him uh, about the election, he's going to trash you. That's what he's going to do. There's no wiggle room there. Trump, by the way, spoke for 91 minutes at the Lorraine County Fairgrounds in Wellington, Ohio, 40 miles southwest of Cleveland. Okay, so Americans are changing their political point of view, uh, and it's because of three things. Schools, public schools, the media, the corrupt media, and the entertainment industry. All three are now ardently liberal. So that's taking its toll. So a new poll from Gallup comes out, the values and beliefs poll, 1,000 U.S. adults. All right, question number one. Thinking about social issues, would you say your views are conservative, moderate, or liberal? Social issues. Conservative, 30%. Moderate, 35%. Liberal, 34%. Now, that's a big change. Used to be conservatives dominated in social issues. No longer. Economics, different. Conservative, 41. Moderate, 34. Liberal, 25. So, it's changing socially here in America. Not for the better. Another poll, and this is very interesting, this poll. This Associated Press poll, all right? Democrat, 43%. Republican, 38%. And Independent, 19%. Question is about abortion. Do you believe in abortion during the first trimester, months one to three? 61% of Americans say yes. All right, 38% no. Second semester, months four to six, 34% say they believe in that. 65% say no. 65%. Third semester, this is late-term abortion. This is what Joe Biden is pushing, and Andrew Cuomo and other Catholic politicians like them. Legal in all cases, last trimester abortion, 19%. Illegal, 80%. So what Biden and Cuomo are doing is extremist on the abortion front, just so you know. Um, The media, of course, is extreme, extreme progressive. So they're trying to harm the Catholic Church, which is trying to draw a line by saying, if you are going to promote late-term abortion and people of faith having to pay for abortions, which is what Joe Biden is doing, then you can't receive communion in the Catholic Church, Mr. Biden. So I'm going to give you three quotes. The first one uh, comes from the L.A. Times, an extremist left newspaper that's on the verge of collapse, by the way. I don't know how much longer they can stay in business. This comes from Michael McGough, uh, who's a senior editorial writer at the L.A. Times. Quote, however it ends, this initiative by the bishops is proving divisive within the church and likely to inflame criticism of the hierarchy in a broader society. 
But here's the good news. Even if the bishops were collectively to say Biden should be denied communion, there would be little danger of a backlash against Biden. So I was basically saying Catholic Church doesn't mean anything anymore, and that's the L.A. Times posture. It wishes the church would go away. Uh, here is the Washington Post, E.J. Dion, oh, who's a fanatical progressive. Quote, a group of angry men, and they are all men, seem to want nothing to do with their brothers and sisters who believe that social justice and a radical concern for the lives of the poor, those already born, the destitute, the abandoned, and the underprivileged. So he's equating uh, abortion, the ending of a life or a potential life, depending on your semantics, with social justice. So in his regard, and this is the Washington Post, abortion is the same thing as someone being poor. Ugh. And here's the most vicious. Comes from Elizabeth Dias. She covers faith and politics for the New York Times. Unbelievable. Quote, but the move to target a president who regularly turns mass and has spent lifetime steeped in Christian rituals and practices is striking. Coming from leaders of the president's own faith, particularly after many conservative Catholics turned a blind eye to the sexual improprieties of former President Donald J. Trump because they supported his political agenda. That's just vicious. So she's equating, again, the ending of a life or a potential life with somebody's private life. Okay, and we're all sinners here, except I'm sure Elizabeth Dias, she's not. Um, so, I mean, you can see how vicious this is to undermine anything um, that would uh, bring into question Joe, Joe Biden's moral outlook. Uh, COVID, only 150 of the 18,000 people who died in May from COVID were fully vaccinated. So 99.2% of the people who died in May from COVID unvaccinated. UFO report, government says it can't explain 143 out of 144 cases of UFOs. Don't know. If they do come, I want to interview them, but don't know. This day in history, Mel Brooks, born 95 years ago. Happy birthday, Mel. He's Melvin Kaminsky, born in Brooklyn, New York. Father died when he was two family impoverished. He was a corporal in World War II, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. All right, came back. In 1965, he was a co-creator of the TV show Get Smart. You remember that. Then he went to movies, The Producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, on and on. Huge successes, all very funny. But Mel Brooks could not produce those films today. Ready? Roll the tape. What was that? Oh, that'll be Inga. Herr Falkstein thought you might need a laboratory assistant temporarily. Oh. Oh! Hello. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? It's fun! Roll, roll, roll in the hay! Roll, roll, roll in the hay! Nope. Nope, no, 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 no. Nope, 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 nope. All right, so Mel Brooks, uh, the only man on earth 
Uh, no, he's one of 16 people who's won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Happy birthday, Mel, 95. He's known for the 1,000-year-old uh, man. I wish he could live to 1,000 years. The guy is just very funny, and we really need that now. But we don't have it because it'll get canceled. All right, back with some mail and a final thought about how I can help you. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Okay, so Mel, Denise, if Joe Biden's incompetent, why is his favorability rating so high? Are there that many dumb people? Yeah. People don't pay attention. They're apathetic, and they vote for uh, entitlements. That's what's happening. I mean, it's obvious. Susan, concierge, remember, uh, Joe Biden will be rated below James Buchanan. This, again, my column, and I hope you read it. Joe Biden, life in the slow lane. Uh, because, in my opinion, he's part of a cabal determined to destroy the American way of life. I don't see Biden as part of that cabal. He's being used by the cabal. I could be wrong. Miles, I've got to disagree with your comment on the police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. She was a diminutive on our woman who did not pose a life-threatening attack on that police officer. Okay, last time I'm doing this, last time. Uh, Ms. Babbitt, I'm sorry that she uh, got shot. I really am. She's trying to break into the Capitol, physically break in with a bunch of other people while Congress was in session. Police couldn't let that happen. All right. Now, one police officer shot her and it stopped. That doesn't justify the shooting, but the police code of behavior inside the Capitol does. He was within his rights to shoot. Not going to do this anymore. Sharon. Nice job, Bill, being number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list, and I'm glad you've decided to write another book. We will announce the other book. Maybe tomorrow we're working on it. You'll like it. You're going to like it. Jimmy Cunningham, Charlotte, North Carolina. I've not found an answer to the question about January 6th. There was evidence supporting trouble on January 6th, so why was the president allowed to do his speech? The president's allowed to do whatever he wants. The FBI had advance notice it could be trouble. Apparently didn't share it with the Capitol Police or the local D.C. police. I don't know whether the White House knew there could be trouble or not. There should have been a commission, a special prosecutor, appointed to figure that all out. There was not. Candace Holloway, Bryceville, Florida. Bill, I'm thrilled to see you sit down with President Trump, discuss the history of our country during his presidency. You are a remarkable historian. I look forward to what will be revealed. So will I. It's going to age me 20 years. But I'll get it. I'll get it. All of it. Okay. Um, do you anticipate more adding more dates? Maybe. We'll see how the first four go. This is Renee Ballinger, Cedar City, Utah. 
So put up the uh, date so I can just give everybody uh, an idea of where we're going to be. Um, that's Fort Lauderdale, Sunrise, Florida, December 11th. The 12th, Amway Center, Orlando. 18th, Toyota Center, Houston. 19th, Dallas, Texas, American Airlines Center. Get your tickets. It will be something. Great Christmas gifts. And it's hot now, but Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. Um, Thomas Marchetti. Bill, I'm enjoying reading your book, Killing the Mob. Was there ever any evidence the mobsters tried to take over the Western movie industry? Can't see them going up against John Wayne and Gene Autry. Well, I don't know about Gene, but the Duke would have been tough. Look, as if you read Killing the Mob, you'll see that organized crime controlled the people who decided which movies to be made. Okay. Um, word of the day when writing trust, do not be tendentious. Great word, tendentious. Back with the final thought. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. So um, we have a concierge membership program, and I just briefly want to tell you about it. Tomorrow we're going to read you some letters of people who have benefited from the program. But this is if you pay a little bit extra money. And remember, we keep the prices down here for premium membership and concierge membership. Very reasonable. Um, and you get to email me. Now, the important thing about this is sometimes in families, in jobs, in life, you have problems. And I've been around. And whatever you tell me is in the vault. I will never tell anybody. But I'll give you advice, if I can, on how to solve the problem or at least mitigate it. That's worth a lot. And I'll do it honestly because I want all of our viewers and listeners to prosper. And that is the value of concierge membership. So tomorrow, read you two or three letters of people who I, I've helped out. And it makes me feel good to do that. I mean, I've been in, done a lot of things in my life. I'd like to help as many people as I can before I kick the bucket, if you know what I'm talking about. Don't worry, Terror Dog. It won't be before I feed you tonight. Um, thanks for listening and watching the No Spin News. We'll see you tomorrow.